94% of decision makers are researching you. And your competitors. 91% of consumers prefer to shop with brands that provide relevant offers and recommendations. There's some terms we're gonna throw at you. You need to understand what they mean and how to implement them. KYC. Know your customer. S-M-Y-K-M. That's a, a bit of a mouthful. Show me you know me. V-O-C. This one might be a little bit easier for you. Voice of the customer. I-C-P. Ideal customer profile. We're back to the fundamentals here. You can interview your clients. You can interview your prospects. And you can ask some simple questions. Welcome to the Go Go Grow podcast, where we share practical advice and growth strategies for scaling B2B businesses. My name is Dasha Tishlik, and I'm the founder of StratCraft. My name is Michelle Page, founder of Sales Chasers. Welcome back to Go Go Grow. Today's topic, back to fundamentals, and the fundamental thing for your business is your customer. Yes. And that's what 2024 is all about. It's all about the customer. Customers mm -hmm. demand to have good service, to have things be meeting them where they are whenever they are there and on the platforms and all the things that are specific to them. In fact, nine, there's nine, there's some research showing 94% of companies, B2B companies, that is, conduct online research now before buying. So that's 94% of decision makers are researching you. And your competitors. What this means is your prospects know you, you need to know them. There's some terms we're going to throw at you. If you are not already familiar with them, you need to not only know them and be aware of them, but you need to understand what they mean and how to implement them. So the first one, KYC, hmm. know your customer. Would you like to add one? S-M-Y-K-M. That's a, a bit of a mouthful. Show me you know me. Absolutely. V-O-C. This one might be a little bit easier for you. Voice of the customer also goes for voice of the prospect. And this one does not have a swanky abbreviation, but personalization, which is about being relevant to your customer and their company. So here, here's a fun statistic. We love statistics on the show. 91% of consumers prefer to shop with brands that provide relevant offers and recommendations. What, what does that mean when you're sending a cold email or making a cold call or reaching out to them on social media. Personalization does not mean saying, hello, Bob at Bob's Bakery. Yeah, I think it means knowing what they're looking for, what their problems might be and personalizing to those things. Yes. So what you might say is, hello, Bob. We've noticed that in the uh, baking industry that prices for raw materials such as flour and sugar have skyrocketed. And we have a solution to help you predict those costs better and therefore price your items better. That's personalization. That's know your customer. That's show me you know me. So today's episode, we're going to structure very simply, we're going to cover the five Y's and one H, the five, <laughs> the five W's, sorry. We're covering the five W's and one H and we're going to start with who? Yes. So the 
terms that you may also have heard is ICP and TAM or TAM. So in the sales and marketing world, this is who your customer base is, the description of your customer. Now there's a big important difference here to keep in mind. ICP, Dasha, do you know what that is? Ideal customer profile. Exactly. That is that needle in the haystack, the one that is really the customer you want to get. TAM. Total addressable market. Absolutely. Anyone who can and probably should use your product. So let me put this in sales and marketing terms. Total addressable market. That is who you market to. It's one to many. Throw the spaghetti at the wall. See what sticks. That's important. You want to get your message out there. ICP. This is, this is my favorite. <laughs> this is the profile of the customer that you solve their pain so well. You help them achieve their goals and their gain so precisely. There really is no other choice but you. And what they do for you is they decrease your sales cycle. They decrease the time and expense it takes to onboard them. They become a long-term customer, a raving fan. Mm. They refer you new business. They provide testimonials. You can upsell them, cross-sell them. And it's just a perfect symbiotic relationship. That's who you sell to. Tam, you market. ICP, you sell. So we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper. The first W that we want to really dig into is the what. So Dasha. So you know you have a cool product, but you got to really understand what problem you solve from the customer's point of view. So first of all, you got to know, do they even know they have a problem? Because sometimes they don't. And then if they know, do they see the problem the same way that you see their problem? And I have a very simple practical example. So I teach a class at University of Virginia and every year we do, or every semester, we do a survey with the students and the things that they love the most about the class is not always <laughs> the same thing that we faculty want to teach them the most, right? Now that's an academic environment and we have a slightly different relationship than a business and a solution, but we need to know exactly what it is that, that the students also get the most out of class mm -hmm. to make sure we don't drop that from the class and th thereby drop all our student attendees. So that's that's something that you should be looking at is, yes, you know you're solving a problem for them, but how does a customer see it from their perspective? May I put a, a sales and marketing spin on that in yeah. your example? So you understand what the students love about your pro, your your program, your your syllabus, your your format. But the things they don't mention are the things they say, you know what, we really don't care for that too much. That's what you need to enhance. You need to build it up. You need to improve it. You need to make it shiny and, and dare I say, sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like that it's so it's more appealing to your prospects and clients. It gives you a lot of information. That's a great point. Yeah. And and then there's this really interesting thing, which is you have different even in my class, we have different people who have different needs. Right. Mm -hmm. But in your clients. They, there may be multiple decision makers 
in your customer's journey that make decisions, right? There's a, the CEO of the company who chooses the strategic partners, and then there's the person who's actually implementing it that has to know that they're going to be able to implement it. And so different departments too. So they all might see the problem very differently. And so you need to also understand who are the key decision makers that you're going to be talking to throughout the process and make sure that you understand what problem you're solving for them. Look, if I may expand upon that. Yeah. So operation says we need to make this more efficient. It's got to be faster. Think about bionic man. We can make him faster, better, stronger. <laughs> Tech support's saying, oh yeah. We can do that, but I'm going to need a lot more tech stack. I am going to need the biggest, baddest availability. CFO's saying, no, I've got my red pencil here. You ain't getting nothing. Okay. They all have different goals. You need to talk to each one of them differently. They each have a different problem they're trying to solve, a different lens they're looking at it through. You need to understand how your product or service solves each of their different problems. Yes. And this, this tie back, this ties back a lot to the who you got to know who the who's first. Mm -hmm. And you got to think about the various who's not just the one single who. And I've had actually a situation like this that led to some really interesting results for both marketing and sales. So I had a client, the, their B2B client, they do custom product development. And there was kind of an assumption that the person they're talking to is the head of engineering. There was also a different assumption in a different department that the person they're talking to is the CEO. And the reality is that, yes, you talk to sometimes a CEO or the leader of the business unit, some strategic person. Yes, you work with the engineering team and you better be jiving together. But there's also this very important person in this whole mix called the program manager, the project manager. And that's the person who has to do all the communication and reports. And the CEO has a concern, oh, we want the coolest new technology, the, the schnazziest product, the most, you know, partnership that has really good basis. The engineers want to make sure the technology and the product's going to work. And the yeah. project manager, they have to deal with all the headaches. <laughs> They're like, is this going to get through the certifications it needs to get through? Is this going to be on time? Are you people, an organized group of people, or are you like a bunch of engineers that just like <laughs> willy-nilly come up with stuff? So being able to address we are good partners and we have great capabilities, but also we know how to work with project managers. We provide timelines and we have regular meetings. <laughs> it sounds like, of course, you're going to have regular meetings and provide timelines, but demonstrating that up front was actually a decision, something a decision maker found value in. And that wasn't even the main you know, thing yeah. that the company did. So as you learn these things, you're able to then bring that into your marketing and bring that into your sales conversations to ensure you address their problems up front. So the problem you solve is not just the problem that your product or service solves, but it's the dynamics of the organization. It is the intrinsic or shall we say selfish problems that each of those personas have so that you make them look good you make their job easier. So there's a lot of problems you're solving here. You've got to understand each and every one of them. And there's some really well-known tools that can always be gone back to the basics, right? We're back to the fundamentals here. You can interview your clients, mm -hmm. you can interview your prospects, and you can ask them simple question. You can ask them, Hey, this problem that we solve for you, like 
of the things that you have on your plate. Like how painful is this thing? How important is this versus other things you have to deal with daily? And what is it that is most important from our solution to you? And you can also do focus groups and even surveys. You yeah. can you can ask these questions directly. And and this is not a very difficult it doesn't have to take a long time from their from their day and can, can be part of like a a very a very happy friendly conversation that you have with a customer or a past customer. One of the things I love most about focus groups is not only do you get insight into your customer, your prospect, their needs, their goals, their pains, their hopeful gains. You also find out a lot about your competitors. Yeah. Because if they already have a solution in place, you find out, are they happy with it? Is their competitor do something particularly well? Maybe there's some areas that you can sneak in to fill a gap that that competitor has. Focus groups are valuable. And one of the things you might find out is that you might have the superior, what the better product, one that solves the product, the problem more directly from your perspective, but your competitor might just have better customer service and yeah. just be friendlier or, you know, be more closely located and, and driving over to see them. I mean, those things do happen. So, so yeah. knowing the, the, what problem you solve for them and what is it that they're really solving for becomes really important. So talking of the competitive landscape, how do you think about, how do you think about competitors? Like, do you have any categories you place them in? Well, there's so many different ways that you can look at them, different lenses, whether it's a price competitor, whether it's a geographic competitor, whether it's a one-to-one -one product or capabilities competitor, maybe it's a, a, a name brand versus a no name. So it, it the, the important thing is not who you see as a competitor, but what is your prospect or your client seeing as a competitive solution. And one thing you sometimes see is that the true competitor to your solution, to your product or your service is actually the customer solving it through some sort of hack themselves in their own company. So they, they put together some Excel spreadsheet with some sort of automation and, and it, so, so it's cumbersome and it, it maybe it's not very efficient and it doesn't have all the same features, but they already kind of have like a, a, a stop gap and, and they don't realize that something could be better or, or that their solution is going to break down over time. It's the good enough solution. It's the good enough solution. Or, you know, sometimes a company might say, well, we'll work with you, like said, say product development, but like, shouldn't we just build out our own product development team? And so sometimes you, the competitor is somebody inside the customer team or some, some sort of stopgap type of patched up solution. And so you have to kind of wonder to, and, and ask even the customer, how would they solve this if your solution didn't exist and, or if it was cost prohibitive? Yeah. And of course in, in sales and marketing, there's always the dreaded no decision Mm -hmm. or decision to do nothing, which those are two different things and they're both dreadful. <laughs> All right. So we have two W's down, three to go. Okay. So we're still working towards that ideal ICP. So let's talk about the, the, the where demographics. Um, you're going to look at both the physical as well as the um, demographic psychographics, and they both kind of play into each other. So as you're looking at the, the where, for example, geography, 
you're going to think about, okay, well, what size company as well as where are they located? Mm-hmm. If you are, a, let, let's say you're a software company. We work with a lot of SaaS companies, PaaS, different types of software and technology. If you're rolling out a new product or service and you're located on the East Coast and you think, you know what, this is a global solution. It's fabulous. Nobody else like it. And you want to market it globally. Can you provide tech support globally when you're a 10, 15 person shop and you're located in East Coast time zone? Mm -hmm. If you're not able to onboard and support Maybe your, your target customer is, is in a closer time zone than that. And if you're not scaled to support enterprise, you probably need to go downsize a little bit in terms of revenue and number of, of employees. So that's all going to go into the demographics. So think about the size company, where they're located, and we already touched on the key decision makers. You you explained really well about who are those, who are the players and who are the decision makers. You, you got to include the players. But when you're talking about things like the the intricacies, like the the support, the the language barriers, budgets, if you're going to have to scale, those are all important things. Anything? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I would also add one more geography to that: is are they fully online or in person? Because today we have a lot of companies that are working fully remote and everybody's working from their own houses. So you might be working with a company that has no particular location. So they might be physically not really working. I mean, they're each individual person's working from somewhere, but the whole company could be remote, but also they could be a a company that's, you know, do your, your services might need to be offered online. Maybe the, the where is also, where are they shopping? Are they shopping because are they are they shopping on the web? Are they shopping through some sort of social media or some sort of? In, it, there's even virtual trade shows nowadays. So that yeah. online is like becoming a real place that you go visit. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about that. You bring up a good point. If if a company is fully remote, think about service providers like MSPs, managed service providers. I have worked with a number of clients that are basically outsourced IT support, uh, managed network support, things of that nature. It's not like they go on site anymore for these fully remote companies and, you know, manage their AS400. Uh, Now I'm showing my age and, you know, make sure everybody's desktop is working and, and, you know, the T1 is, is, is fully functioning. If, if you as an MSP are not geared towards a fully remote client base, that's going to dictate who your ICP is. And what industries they're in. Any other thoughts on that? Should we talk maybe about product life cycle Mm. or the the industry life stage? It's almost going into the when. So maybe let's talk about the where, when. Absolutely. Let's combine the two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so industry or product life cycle or life stage, there's so many things out there that are seasonal or cyclical or or technology is changing so rapidly. So think about things like an iPhone. They, it, it seems 
every 12 months or so, a new version comes out. Right. So your customers expect it. They also expect the accessories they bought for the last one or two versions to be compatible forward and backward. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are for a couple of versions and sometimes you have to, to change and upgrade. All that has to be considered when you're thinking about who your market is. Think about the automotive industry. Different brands have different seasons. When do the 2024 20, models come out? Well, the 25s are coming out in the summer. <laughs> so if you think about, you know, what, what do your customers expect and when? If, if you're wanting to bring out something like, let's say that you're an app developer for Salesforce. Um, Salesforce has been around for eons. They are the, the, the granddaddy of that world. A lot of people say that they're not necessarily a CRM so much as they are an app integrator. There are so many apps out there that connect to Salesforce that give you as a user so many opportunities. If you are an app developer for Salesforce, there are so many different levels and versions of Salesforce. Okay, which one are you going to integrate with? Everyone? Just one? Mm -hmm. So there's so many things to think about. One aspect of when that I work a lot with that also needs to be considered. So I work in a lot of government, of companies that work with government. They either get mm -hmm. grants or they sell to the government in one way. Also, sometimes healthcare and the same oh, yeah. thing can be applied to education. There's a real like sense of timing and it's not just cyclicality. There is, there's different deadlines. There's different departments operate on different timelines. You have oh, yeah. to know the timescape of your industry and when things are happening and decisions are being made because you'll see these pushes and pulls and people have to get something in you can get your program in really easily at this time of year. And at, at the other time of year, you, you yeah. can't. And so if you miss that timing or you, you're not aware of the timing influences, then you are going to be, you know, you're going to be struggling to sell to your customer at the time when they're ready to make decisions because you're not preparing for that. I have found that time and time again, with healthcare, if you're working with a client that works with capital equipment, you know, imaging equipment, mm -hmm. things of that nature, if it is not in the budget cycle for the one they're working on, you may be two years out. If you are working with education, especially for K through 12, if, if you're trying to call them in April, May, even maybe even in March. Okay. You're talking a, a year and a half from then as far as what academic year you're going to be able to get into. So think about who is your audience? Mm -hmm. What is your solution? What time do you need to introduce and what time do you need to sell and market? Maybe you need to market first and then sell. And when we're talking about know your customer and demonstrate that you know, know, know them, show me you know me. Something you can also think about is related decisions and decisions and acts and actions, influencing factors. So if a customer obtains a CRM, then likely they're also gonna buy a lead generating or lead searching add-on, right? Mm -hmm. If they make some decision, where does that fit? Where does your company, your services fit in that 
time frame of relative time frame of things that they might be doing. Because this is an opportunity for you to find marketing. But also, if you're approaching them way before they did step one and you're step three, then they're like focused on step one and two. They're not yeah. going to engage with you. You're going to be wasting your time as well. It, it, it's funny you say that. Two things that I hear a lot when people are talking about sales strategies. And I've been active in that social media world for a couple of decades. So the the people that I follow and who follow me, uh, a lot of them are saying two things that I hear a lot of. First of all, intent data, that's what you need. That's what you need. So get a data source that has intent data and that, that shows what tech stack they're using. I don't have a lot of faith in that. Now, this is personal opinion. This is not, you know, gospel according to Michelle. But if you have somebody in your company that, that you're targeting that's looking for new APAR software, it could be one person out of 500 employees looking for it. It's going to show up as intent data. Don't be led astray. You have to know your customer. Don't rely on something like intent data as the gospel. You need to do more research. You need to know other information as well. The other thing, so many people in sales will say, look for recent job changes. When somebody comes in as a new VP of this or director of that, in the first 30, 60, 90 days, they want to make their mark. That's when you need to call them. That's when you need to sell to them. I don't know a lot of people that want to go in and stir waves and spend a lot of money on new technology unless that's what they've been charged to do. Yeah, I think a lot of the times they're trying to learn their new job and get to know all the people and figure out, you know, what exactly they were all, all responsible for and build those networks before they start yeah. making changes. So again, this is blanket advice that a lot of people will hear, but before you apply it, Think about what we said, know your customer, <laughs> voice of the customer, and then show them you know them. And again, ask, talk to your customers, ask these questions, you know, ask them like, hey, we met with you at this trade show, but what are the trade, like, we've been thinking we want to go to more trade shows. What trade shows do you go to? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, here's other trade shows they go to. Well, what about this one? We thought about this one. Oh, we don't go to that show. Okay. That's it. I mean, you, of course you want to be discovering other customers as well, but if you go across your best customers, the people who've been with you, the people who easily adopt your technology and they all go to a show you don't yeah. go to, and they don't go to any of these other shows you might've thought were good prospect shows, you know, that's a really, you know, you can ask your customer these things, just mm -hmm. include it casually in some of the conversations you have through your sales team, include it casually in a question at the end of, you know, something you send them just be like, Hey, just quick question. Do you do this or do you not do this? Does this matter? Does this not matter? It, it's uh, interesting you say that. I worked on a voice of the customer survey for a biometric security company addressing the fintech market. And they, they're always trying to innovate. Everybody knows that one thing that is always changing is technology, especially fintech especially security, cybersecurity, that sort of thing. So this was a very interesting voice of the customer project. 
And some of the questions they asked, it was a short survey. I think there were only 10, 12 questions that we asked. One was, who do you follow on social media? What social media do you participate in? What other journals or online resources do you use? If you're looking to research something, where do you go first? Is it a peer? Is it an online resource? Is it a vendor? Mm -hmm. Those are great questions. That's how you find not only who your market is, but are you doing the right things with your current clients? And this can be a part of your company's processes. Like you can, and this is why it's the fundamentals. You know, of course you're selling, of course you're marketing, you're communicating your message, but getting information about what's, what's changing with your customers, what's important to them, what, how you need to, you have a pulse. I mean, our world is moving so quickly. You, you should ask your customers, are you using chat GPT? Like, how are you using it? Right. Yeah. Like, what would you think of us using it, right? These are interesting questions that you might consider because these are all things that are changing in our world and your customers are changing. So everybody's talking about, you should know, you should know that a little bit about your customer, at least, especially if you have something to do with research or software providing or software integration with something in your customer's team, you can ask these questions and you can ask them ahead of time and you can ask them casually. You don't always, you don't, you can provide a survey if you need some data, like a lot of data, but you can also just ask to see what's changing and what's popping with your customers over time and make sure you're not just thinking that the reason they chose you, for example, three years ago is still the same, the same reasons or the same exact uh, priorities for them, which brings us to why? So why is a really big question. We kind of talked about what and the selection process, but this why is a little bit different. First of all, there's the why they chose you in the first place. And there's much more than even tangible features uh, that can be decided on. It could be they actually chose you because of referrals. They chose you because you had strong testimonials. You had five stars. They chose you because you were in a geography that felt comfortable for them. You know, maybe maybe they want to be able to drive over, like if it's a manufacturing, and, and actually visit you, and that was important. So you want to know the deeper reasons why, the psychological reasons, the emotional reasons. What do they? What do your customers trust about you? But you also want to know why are they staying with you. And this is different than why they chose you because, you know, they're, 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 they could they could have chosen you for your features and stayed with you for the customer service. They could have chosen you for your features and left you because <gasps> of your customer service. <laughs> so you want to know what's keeping them coming back. Yeah. And why are they refer if they're referring you or if they would speak well about you to others or give you a testimonial, why would they do that? And if they're staying with you and they aren't, referring you. Why aren't they? And this will not only point out to valuable things about your business to amplify, but also important <laughs> things you need to address and maybe new problems that pop up, you know, as a company grows and scales, which we're hoping your company is growing and scaling. Um, and that's where you're listening to this podcast. You're going to have all kinds of little pop problems pop up because a company that's growing, there's a lot of opportunities for bad handoffs, for one department scaled fast, and then the other, now there's a bottleneck. It's very, very common. And so your customers are going to be able to provide valuable information about 
where those problems are occurring from their perspective. So the why behind their actions with you is very important throughout the entire customer life cycle. And the emotional aspects of it are important. If, if they like your people and they feel you have a great culture and they like solving problems together with you, that's very different than they just like you because you have a great features in your product. One thing that we should be sure and mention to our, our listeners is there's another episode out there of ours that you need to check out that's very much related to this, where we speak about how to value um, or rate or rank your customers. Find out which ones are the good ones, which ones maybe aren't quite serving your needs, your purposes. Maybe they're not profitable for you and how to recreate more of the good and resolve the ones that could be improved. So look for that episode as well. So we got the W's. Let's talk about the last one, the H. How? <laughs> That's always a, a hard one in everybody's mind, but it's, it's really not. If you've got everything else solved, this kind of solves itself. So let's tackle this one. You've figured out who you want to market to, who you you want to sell to. Okay, but how are you going to market to them? And and why are you going to market that way? Okay, well, think about it. If you've identified that your best prospects are in your time zone and the adjacent time zone, and so locality is important, and you've identified that it's an industry that typically is very interactive and they it's, it's smaller companies that you're working with. You're probably going to look at things that are a little bit more social, a little bit more interactive. So digital, social, there may be user groups, there may be things that are a little bit more regional and trade shows, whether they're virtual trade shows like Dasha mentioned or actual trade shows. A lot of the smaller companies will go to some of the the smaller, more regional trade shows. And that's a great way that you can get yourself known. You can get a better feel for your customer, what they're looking for. So that's one example of how you can say, okay, well, this is who I, who I want to get to know and who I want them to get to know me. How am I going to market to them? Think about the why, think about the how. And also, how are you going to onboard and support that customer? Because as we talk about it, it's all about the customer. And if those are important steps in the process of the customer lifecycle, and also you have multiple decision makers, and each of those decision makers has different priorities and things that they want to make sure are covered, you want to make sure these are purposeful things that you're doing, that you're not just leaving the customer once you've acquired them thinking, okay, well, you know, we, we really marketed it to them, (laughs) but, but now they're floundering because they're, they're trying to get support or they have questions or they have multiple stakeholders and we're not actually, didn't actually think about all the people we're going to need to help out as the product or service gets implemented with the customer. You're absolutely right. If you, if you sign a hundred new prospects and they become clients and you drop the ball on 98% of those onboardings or that transition from sales to customer success. 
you're left with a net of two customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's not going to be repeatable, scalable, replenishable. So that entire process has to be seamless. That's right. And, you know, processes are, are very much a fundamental thing a company should have. And so, you know, sales, marketing, onboarding, the, the flow of your customer through your company is a fundamental thing. That's the how of your company right? The, there's the what, the product or service. The how is how the customer goes from, you know, where they were at mm-hmm. to now they're using your service for many years to come. What's that whole journey looks like? We'll be talking about that in customer journeys in a lot of detail, but it's yeah. a very important type of process map to have. It is a fundamental for your business. If you join us for the episode, we're going to walk you through how to create that customer journey how to make it a living document that you go back to, you you touch base with it, you monitor it, you keep it interactive, and we break it down so simple. Join us for that episode. We hope you found value in this episode. Please share this podcast with someone you know that, that might also find it useful to scale their business. Go, Go, Grow is found across all major podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode and also please join us for our office hours. You'll find details in our show notes.